Well, this evening, you probably can tell by some of the scriptures that we have been reading that I want to give us an encouragement tonight that can help us uh, as we continue to try to live as God's people, not simply during uh, this time of quarantine, but really as this time of quarantine uh, provides us the opportunity to really get a better understanding of who we are. Our text this evening uh, for our homily uh, comes to us uh, once again from 1 Peter, where I'm going to read uh, 1 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to skip down to chapter 2 and read verses 11 through 17. The title of our homily this evening is Living as Sojourners and Exiles. Living as Sojourners and Exiles. Let's give our reverent attention to God's holy word this evening. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Well, this is the reading of God's holy word this evening. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have not left us in the dark to try to grope our way around in this life. You have given us very specific instructions about who we are and how we are to give, uh, to, to bear witness to that. And to do so, Lord, not, for, not merely for ourselves, but especially for our neighbor. And so grant to us the attention uh, that we need this evening to hear a perspective, Lord, that we don't hear enough that I believe, at least for myself, is so difficult for me to remember as I live in this land of wonderful opportunity, a land of freedom, uh, and yet, Lord, a land that tempts me to use that freedom in the wrong way and to define myself incorrectly. Lord, bless us through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Living as sojourners and exiles, that's uh, a great summary of what it means for us to be God's people. And it is so easy for us to forget this because you and I live in a wonderful place. Uh, we live in a land that promotes freedom. And I understand some of you think that there's not as much freedom as there should be or there's not as much freedom as there could be. But make no mistake, we live in a land that affords us a whole lot of freedom. We have a lot of, of opportunity in our lives to determine uh, how we live and what we give our time to. We have a lot of freedom in our lives to determine how we use our resources, like our time, like our treasures, and like our talents. We live in a world that provides us a lot of opportunity to make money. We live in a world that provides us a lot, a lot of opportunity to increase our wealth or our power. Or we live in a land that provides us a lot of opportunity to increase our ability uh, to participate in governance as we can vote and as we can participate in the political system. And these are wonderful things, and they have provided uh, the citizens of the United States a lot of freedoms and opportunities that many throughout the world and throughout history have never been able to experience in the way that we have. But along with this benefit, along with this privilege, also comes a huge temptation. Because the Lord tells us that what it means to be a part of his people is that we are a people who do not find our home in this world. We do not find our citizenship, our true citizenship, to be connected to anything in this life. Our citizenship is in the heavenlies because our citizenship is tied to our King, Jesus Christ, who has been exalted to the right hand of the Father, where he is ruling and reigning as we wait for the entirety of creation to be made his footstool, as we stand at his side, and as we have the privilege and honor to rule with him throughout all eternity. Make no mistake that if you are a Christian, you are a heavenly citizen. Now, if you are a Christian here in America, you are a heavenly citizen that also enjoys some earthly citizenship here within the United States that brings with it many wonderful blessings, but also many very difficult temptations. In the years that I have been a believer, I, when I started out as a young believer, I would have been one that uh, would have tended to think about my Christian life through the paradigm of being a, an American Christian, where American was first and where American had a capital A. I tended to view my life. I tended to view my circumstances. I tended to interpret the things around me according to a political worldview that I had. And as I have grown and matured, I have had
had to wrestle with myself and wrestle with some deep-seated sin within my heart and to wrestle with uh, uh, having a different, more biblical worldview to help me combat some of the temptations that come from the privilege of being an American. And so I want us to just think a little bit this evening through this issue of what it means for us as Christians, as those who have received the righteousness of Christ, who are therefore described as citizens of the heavenly places, what does it mean for us to live as sojourners and exiles in this world? What does it mean for us to live in America and to self-consciously not make our American citizenship the primary identity from which we live? The Apostle Peter here, from the very beginning of 1 Peter, has provided us, um, from the very opening verses, a picture of what it means to be a believer at the time in which he is writing. He is writing to a group that have endured persecution. He is writing to a group that have uh, become exiles in what was referred to as the dispersion as there were Jewish believers that were living in uh, Jerusalem and they were living in greater Judea, um, as they, uh, through uh, persecution, because of their faith in Jesus Christ, found themselves driven out of the land and as they were driven into the surrounding areas, into the surrounding countries, into the surrounding kingdoms, as they found themselves no longer living just right there in that central hub in which they had grown up in, but they were living as foreigners now. And as foreigners, we are told that they are elect exiles. Now, here's what that means. Because I'm not going to try to get into the theology of what of the word elect. What I want you to understand, the big picture here, is that by describing them as elect exiles, what he is saying is, be precisely because they have come to faith in Jesus Christ, that their faith is the reason that they have been dispersed. Their faith because they have embraced Jesus as the Christ, has put them in the crosshairs of those who don't want to acknowledge him as king of the Jews, let alone as king of the universe. It is precisely because they are new creatures in Jesus Christ that they are suffering the dispersion. And notice what Peter says. This is not happening as a surprise to God. This is not happening in such a way as to catch him off guard. This is happening precisely according to his foreknowledge. And it is happening precisely for their sanctification. You see, remaining comfortable in the land in which they had grown up, remaining comfortable within the culture that they understood, within the culture in which they had grown up, where they could continue to live according to uh, certain food laws from the Old Testament, where they could, they could live with a certain ease and a certain understanding of how things worked. 
For their sanctification, God has not allowed them to remain comfortable, but he has purposely sent them into a foreign land to live um, in a foreign culture so that their faith might grow, that it might be challenged, and they might have to find new ways of following Jesus Christ in obedience to him. Let that sink upon you. Let that sink in. God loves us enough to sanctify us by making us uncomfortable. And a lot of the discomfort that he uh, is showing us here is the discomfort that comes from becoming an exile, by by becoming a sojourner, by becoming a pilgrim, one who is passing through a land that is not his or hers as they travel to the land that is. Now, what God provides us right up front here in in this letter um, by Peter is that we are told that Christ will multiply his grace and his peace to us. We don't go into the dispersion by ourselves. We don't go into the dispersion without help. We go with his presence. And that presence is an empowering presence. And so who we are as God's people is we, we are elect exiles. We are those whose home is not found within this world, but our home is found in the heavenly places. And yet we don't live in the fullness of the heavenly places yet. We are pilgrims who are passing through this life to come to that life to come. Where, as we talked about last week, where that hope of the resurrection will be manifest in its fullness as we inherit the fullness of what belongs to Christ. And as we, in that inheritance, we embrace that open vindication that we are God's people and that he counts us as righteous, and that he will sing over us because he is so excited that we now are able to live in the fullness of his glory because of the perfection that he is providing us and will ultimately reveal in its fullness in Jesus. That is what we are headed towards. And so as we head in that direction, As those who are sojourners and who are exiles, Peter tells us this. I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. There are passions that we wrestle with uh, that come from our past lives before we come to know Jesus Christ. There are passions that we wrestle with that we have that, are, that come from within our own hearts as we are those born in sin as children of Adam. But there is also sin that we wrestle with that, pre- that comes to us because of the environment in which we find ourselves. That there are passions of the flesh. Now flesh here, could, it's very easy to, to think that what he means here is something inherently sinful. Passions of the flesh. Something that's inherently sinful or maybe even sexual. But that is not what this phrase means. By flesh here, what he is referring to is something that is earthly. In contrast to something that is heavenly. 
The passions are the flesh, are the passions that come from this sinful world that are in contrast to the passions that come from the Spirit that we have in Jesus Christ in which we are called to exercise in Him. And these passions that come from the world, these passions that come from this earthly existence that you and I still have as we're waiting for the fullness of our heavenly existence to be revealed. What we are told here is that these passions wage war against us. What does that mean? Well, one of the things that it means here very specifically is that the culture in which we live will have its values. And those values when they do not come from God's word and from God's truth, those values will eat away at us. And if we cultivate the wrong values, then they, they work within our hearts in ways that we're not even aware. And that work that they are doing is very specifically, it is to contrast and to go against and to work against the realities of the spirit that we are to be cultivating within our hearts. There is this war. There is no neutrality. And so one of the things that we have to do as sojourners and exiles is to become aware of the, the, particular, the specific particular uh, co- uh, cultural passions that work within our society that can become so easy for us to buy into without even realizing that we have done so. We are to abstain from the passions of this world because they work, they work directly against us as a heavenly people. What does that mean for us right now with the, this quarantine? with this time of of self-distancing. Well, one of the things that I've noticed on Facebook is just how many pastors continue to post one political article after another and where I find no articles being posted about the kingdom of God where they are interacting with their present situation from the perspective of their earthly citizenship and not from the perspective of their heavenly citizenship. Where there are Christians that have become gullible to participating in false narratives and untruths by spreading them um, on on the internet, spreading them on Facebook, sharing things that they haven't done the work to, to check and to make sure that they're not spreading a lie. And one of the things that so often happens for Christians in a time like this is that we can become the biggest promoters of conspiracy theories. But beloved, we are exactly in the situation that we are in as sojourners and exiles because God has willed this for our good. He has willed this for our sanctification. He has willed this time for our obedience. 
He's willed this time for us to have a wake-up call to figure out, hey, how are those ways that I have just been living unconsciously according to the passions of this world rather than living self-consciously as a citizen of the heavenly places? Now, I'm not saying that as believers we can't participate in politics. I'm not saying that it's wrong to try to understand things that are going around us from a political perspective. But might I suggest that before you post that next article about a conspiracy, that next article uh, about how that is, that is political in nature, maybe find an encouraging article that you can, that you can promote that directs people to the sovereign God who is in control of what is happening right now and that sovereign God who came to this world in flesh and experienced even worse trial and tribulation than what is being experienced right now in order to redeem trial and tribulation. Jesus Christ came to this world and he took on flesh. He became earthly. He added to his divine nature an earthly nature. And as he did so, he experienced the suffering of this world. Before he ever got to the cross, he was experiencing the suffering that comes from living in a fallen creation. And yet when our sins were put on him on the cross, he experienced to an even greater level that acute awareness of the negative impact and effects of sin. And so the Jesus Christ that died on the cross and was raised from the dead that you and I have embraced by faith and that where you and I are called to bear witness to that Christ, we are called to bear witness to the Christ that understands trial and troubles and tribulation and has redeemed those things so that people don't have to live with an earthly hope where what they are looking for is just a better earthly existence but instead can inherit a heavenly citizenship where yes for a time there will be momentary affliction but where it will end in the eternal reality of open vindication from God and, and, and experiencing the fullness of God's glory forevermore beloved what are you more interested in promoting right now Articles that deal with the politics that may or may not be driving what is happening right now? Or do you want to promote something that is greater than politics, a world that is more eternal, a world that is not in disarray, a world that is functioning exactly according to how God wants it to function as Jesus Christ has opened up the door of the new creation and is standing there calling sinners to leave the kingdom of darkness and to become part of the kingdom of light. Beloved, you and I are salt and light, but the salt and light that we are to be is not for the Republican Party. It is not for the Democratic Party. It is not for American politics. We are called to be salt and light of the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. The only kingdom where there is truth where there is goodness, where there is beauty. 
And so, beloved, we are called to live as sojourners and exiles. We are called to live in such a way right now that our conduct among unbelievers is seen as honorable. Where they can't speak against us as evildoers because they see us leading the way and providing the proper example about how to live during these times. Where we live lives of trust with God to such a degree that we become strange to the people around us. Not strange because we are promoting conspiracy theories. Not strange because we're coming across as being naive or gullible. But strange because we have hope. And because we offer that hope to our neighbors. Oh, beloved, that is what it means for us to be sojourners in exiles. It means that we live in subjection to every human institution. That's not very American. It means that we live in subjection, whether it be to the emperor or to governors. That's not very American. It means that we give expression to the will of God by doing such unimaginable goodness during a time like this that the ignorance of foolish people is silenced. And so, beloved, what it means for us to live as sojourners and exiles is that we are free. Not free as described in the Constitution, but free as it exists with a shared life in Jesus Christ. Beloved, let the freedom that defines you not be an American freedom that, yes, is less now than it was at the foundation. Let it be the freedom that is defined by the eternal realities of the heavenly places where that freedom that has been won by Jesus Christ, not only can it never be lost, it can never be lessened. You have the fullness of the freedom of Christ. And so in that freedom, honor those around you. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the elected officials. And go about your business of building houses, of developing families, and doing so, not for the sake of your own welfare, but so that you can be a blessing to those around you. Beloved, this is the covenant that God made with Abraham that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That we are to go. That we are to live in a land that is not our home in order that we might be a blessing. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the special calling that we have as your people. And we ask you, oh God, to help us to embrace this uh, calling and this identity. Help us not to participate in the craziness that is going on online. Help us not to participate in the conspiracies 
and all the other things. There are plenty of people, Lord, that are out there that can expose anything that may need to be exposed. But, Lord, help us to be humble enough to realize that none of us really knows what's going on, that none of us really knows what even needs to be corrected. Lord, help us to see that we already do know everything that we need to know. And that is Jesus Christ is no longer dead but alive. And he is ruling and reigning. And he offers his love and his kingdom to all who will receive him, who will repent of their sins and embrace him by faith, receiving a righteousness that is not their own, so that they can be examples and manifestations of the heavenly places here on earth. O oh Lord, we pray and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.